Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Agile Coaching Mastery Podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery Crew. Our crew consists of Agile coaches from around the world who record the podcast for an international audience free of time zones. You can listen when you want. We do this to help increase the skills, knowledge, and experience across the Agile coaching industry, and it's for free. Every week, we'll be exploring another part of this wonderful Agile coaching landscape, and each episode is recorded live and unscripted on Friday. Let's join the crew for this week's episode. This week's host is Ross. Oh, my error. That's not Ross this week. It's Ricardo, isn't it? I do apologize, Ricardo. Naughty me. Uh, it's okay. We're all, we're all hosts. We're <laughs> we, we are really all hosts. Maybe I shouldn't say this week's host is. We should just get into it. So, uh, stories. Over to you, Ricardo, to start then. Yeah, uh, today I thought we could talk a bit about stories and specifically stories about when we start uh, Agile Transformations. And uh, my inspiration from that came because I, I just got the opportunity to start a new one. And I'm going to try to do a few things differently. Remember all the discussion that we had about the frozen middle, for example? Yeah, the frozen middle, sometimes called the middle model. You know, the people yeah. in the middle of an organization that usually classic tactics are, you know, start with the top, get them ahead a bit, bring the uh, tickle the troops, as they say, and uh, create an ambush on the middle model. That's the general sort of wisdom that's around, isn't it, Ricardo? I know you're going to say something different, but that's where we start, I think. Yeah, there's another term for that marshmallow middle or middle marshmallow. Middle they're marshmallow, because they're sweet. And they're very, and also they're very elastic. So no matter how how much you Put pressure on them they never break but they come back to their their, their previous form and they talk sweet <laughs> yeah. now what was really interesting in this opportunity is that it was the middle level that came to me uh, but it was a unique case because uh, they had a new manager in the middle uh, he had worked with me at another client and he said hey i spoke with the, with the other middle managers and we don't have to manage still a small company 300 people and uh, we would like to run the transformation. Can you help us? So we're actually putting together the business case together with the middle management. They are going to the, to the senior leadership asking uh, for the money. And uh, they are going to start helping to motivate the troops. So I think it's a, an opportunity to do quite a unique experiment. To do, the to do the coaching even through this middle layer. What do you think about the idea, guys? So you're saying use the middle layer as your first beachhead, as it were? Yeah. Okay, okay. That's really interesting. Um, well, I guess um, I remember when I was getting taught by Jeff Sutherland oh, too many years ago, he said, you know, start wherever you can. So I guess I guess starting there is, if that's where the impetus is, uh, why not start there? What do others think? I think it's it's really great because sometimes we hired to – change the behavior and the entire design of the middle management and the middle layer. And they're not really uh, keen and not accepting that they need to change or need to change their behavior, mindset, the way they think, the way they do things, right? But now if uh, they are inviting you to come in and do something with them and help them to shift, it means that they, they, they realize that there is a value of change for them. That's a great thing. And most of the resistance I ever had was from the middle layer. So I'm really looking forward to this one. 
Did you ever have a, uh, one transformation that also gave you the opportunity to try something different, guys? Uh, yeah, I, I, I did one a while ago where we started with training everybody, actually, which I didn't really think was going to be a good idea, but it's what the company wanted. And I guess what actually happened was exactly what I expected, which is we did the training and then they didn't know what to do next. And the training was good information and education, but it didn't help them with what great looked like or anything like that. So it didn't really work, I guess. As I suspected it wouldn't. You know, <laughs> what can was I say? An I told you so moment. Well, I, I told you so while sending an invoice. So, you know, it's not always that bad. Um, yeah, uh, I'm more interested in saying if you're going to start with the middle, Ricardo what's likely to go wrong so maybe we could um help you put that right or suggest ways to put that right if that's the experiment if that makes sense yeah i should tell you what i'm going to do in the beginning uh-huh so by I the way ricardo you're still a little quiet by the way nothing horrible but just a little is it better now mm. i have the habit of step stepping away from the microphone yeah oh, no you don't have what what we would call in the biz you don't have great mic technique mate <laughs> no i don't just learning, but that—that's how we do. We iterate. Next, next episode, I'll be swallowing the microphone. <laughs> so, I've only contracted for the first little bit. So, what I've asked to do is, together with them, uh, the first thing I want to do is to draw a picture of where they are and what great would look like. So, we're going to take a look at the value chain, understand uh, where is the value being generated for the clients. But we're not going to draw it, draw it in a traditional value chain. We're going to use a Wardley map for that. So okay. Why, why use a Wardley map? Because the Wardley map, it, it comes from the third thing that I want to do. The Wardley map allows me to already start to understand what are the things that are business critical for them. What are the things that are innovations? So while the traditional value chain is uh, one-dimensional, the worldly map allows me to, at the same time that I'm drawing the value chain, to understand are there things that you are doing that are commodities that you could actually buy somewhere and where you are investing effort or doing the wrong kind of approach, things that you might as well just buy or um, should be a platform, and things that are uh, business critical where you really generate the value. So it will be a bit of a bi-dimensional uh, value chain in that direction. The next thing I'm going to do is take a look at how is work flowing uh, through the organization already in the context of this uh, to get from any point uh, to any point how many teams are involved, how many handovers there are, uh, that kind of stuff. And I'm going to try to extract that information out of Jira. Let's see if I'll succeed in that. If not, it will come through interviews. The next thing that we're going to do is take a look at the structure. So overlaying the teams that they have on top of this worldly map and see if the functions are in the right place and if they have the right kind of teams, based a lot on the work of Manuel Pais in Team Topologies. Mm -hmm. And the other angle, these are all going to get combined into one big picture, is the collaboration. Uh, how is collaboration happening? Uh, is that uh, collaboration through proxies, like proxy product owners or pro proxy business representatives? Is it collaboration that is directly between developers and, uh, and customers? And at the same time, is it a chaotic kind of mode of uh, collaboration or is it organized? So what do you guys think? Is that a good place to start? 
Uh, shall I give some comments first? Actually, Ricardo, yeah. listening to what you've said, I don't think you're starting in the middle. I think you're starting at the top, but you're starting with the middle troops doing it with you because you sound to me like you're doing the kind of things I'd expect to do, you know, value stream mapping at the top. You're doing all the things that are sort of the, the top of the org problems to look at and understand. Um, I thought you were, when you said you're going to start in the middle, I thought you were going to say, here's a few portfolios we're going to work in. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you start at the bottom, you start with a team and show some goodness. You start in the middle. Normally, you do, here's a bit of a portfolio. Start at the top, you start, you're talking about whole organizational things. So, my first thought and comment from hearing you talk is you're actually doing the top stuff from the middle. And therefore, yeah. I guess my mm. my big question was would be, you got to, I guess you've got to make sure the top people are really involved somehow in understanding what you're doing because you, you're like a bit of a blue touch paper to some of the issues particularly with you know how you're going to do you know they're going to want to know you're you're talking about wardly maps across the piece and understanding that and and, and how collaboration works aren't they yeah well in my first call i already had the the number two the second layer of the company just below the board uh, getting invited to explain the approach, so I think the, the, that middle management is really helping to to sell into the top. So I think it's more using the middle management as the engine. And remember, it's not a big organization; it might be multinational, but it, okay. it is a startup. Tell me how the big. Why they're coming to me was also interesting. What they explained, you know, everything really worked until we had a hundred people. <laughs> then it started to fall apart. And guess what? I asked him. Have you heard of a certain number? Dunbar? Number? Dunbar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was so interesting. And when I explained Dunbar, I said, okay, that's why we need some structure here. But then I said, yeah, but we cannot create structure without understanding value, without understanding how things are flowing, because you have to start from where you are. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited about this gig. Mm-hmm. Andrew is so quiet. How are you, Andrew? Yeah, good guys. How are you? Um, all I was going to say is what I've, what I've found over the journey is uh, if you've got a vested interest in not learning something, you probably won't learn it. And when people look at what a move to agility does to uh, middle management, it's not normally good for middle management because you're kind of taking out a lot of that orchestration responsibility and that I suppose the the enabling responsibility and pushing that down into teams. Yeah, the the first time that someone experiences that, they're probably going to be positive about it. But if they've been through it before, which in a lot of the organisations we work with these days, they might have been through it two or three times, they already know that there's a risk that they're going to lose their role as a result of this sort of thing. So, yeah, that's that's something that I've always found difficult to navigate. Yeah, that's why I'm a bit excited because they're they're having like revenue growth of eighty percent year on year. So the organization will be growing like crazy. But I think I'm getting them just at the right size, about three hundred people, where that middle management could still grow to enable the teams rather than become that frozen middle. Let's see. It's uh mm-hmm. I just recall, I, I pick up one thing. Yeah. Uh, are they scaling now? So they're from uh getting mature going from startup model to a more structured, mature business. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. Okay. So they were a pure startup. Uh, The business started firing on all engines. They're setting up offices in new countries. Revenues are growing like crazy. Team is growing like crazy. 
Yeah. It's really um, that that growth issue, Ricardo, brings out an entirely different thing to talk about for a few minutes, which is yeah, yeah. how do you keep that early culture? That's one of the big problems. I was working with a, a business that was, you know, ex Accenture three people turned into, you know, they started a partnership together. They uh, moved to more pitch. So now they've got like a essentially a management crew in England and sales team and delivery crew in um, Mumbai and Pune. And uh, one of the big things we talked through was how they kept the right culture across the company. And they did that, they said, by growing very slowly. Mm-hmm. So this is a rapid uh, uh increase so i think the early startup culture is pro- is probably going to be disappearing into a more uh i guess chaotic structure culture based on what people bring rather than what's already there you know um if you if you add a bit of salt to a pot it changes it slightly but if instead you you add uh, three tons of fennel the dish is a very different dish you know yeah do you think this is a problem I think it's something that definitely we need to manage. Mm. Uh, they are very aware of it. I think that is a that is already a start, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So, um, be interested what anyone else thinks as well. If you with us in the audience who want to talk, this is a bit of a clinic. We'd love to have you on stage. All you have to do to come on stage is uh, next to the leave quietly button at the bottom. Don't press that. We don't want you to leave. Next to that is a put your hand up button. And if you put your hand up, um, you you will get a signal to one of the mods, uh, which is currently Ricardo. Maybe Ricardo, you should make Raz and oh, me yes, mods. Sorry for that. Yeah, you'll get you'll make us mods. We'll see that and bring you up on stage. Any question is uh, worth asking. Uh, there is no such thing as a silly question, and there's no such thing as a question that's just because you um, you you're starting to learn your trade as well. That's that's absolutely fine as well. So, very interested if you have any thoughts or comments on what we're talking about. You know where we start and how Ricardo has picked this work up to start. Um, let's summarise again. It's a startup that's starting to grow to bigger numbers. It's got big growth, large numbers on growth, but actually rapidly trying to build an organizational model that works. And at the same time, part of what it seems you're doing, Ricardo, maybe you can bounce this back to me, is you're not really looking at their ways of work, more their Tom target operating model they need to work correctly. Is that fair? Yeah. Not in those expensive words, because they wouldn't understand it. <laughs> in those expensive <laughs> try words. To, try to explain it in English or in Latvian to them. Uh, but definitely, yes. It's, it's uh, coming up with an operating model where you are able to still keep people sensing very close to the client while allowing them to scale. It sounds a cool job. And uh, I think that, but, uh, you know, not in expensive words is a very co- a great, a lovely quote, Ricardo. <laughs> Not in expensive words. Ele- Fifteen minutes in, not in expensive words. Loved it. <laughs> Sorry for that. No, no, but it is the target operating model, but I don't think they even thought about their operating model yet. Maybe they have someone in the board thinking about that, but uh, definitely it was not something I heard in my initial conversations with them. Cool. Just want to say again, if you want to come up on stage, make a comment, ask a question of any of us. Uh, don't know about what you think of me, but I will tell you, Ricardo, Raz and Andrew are wise people, well worth asking questions of. So if you feel like coming up on stage, just put your hand up. We'll see that, bring you up, and uh, you can ask a question and get an answer. Just to remind you, though, this is being recorded for a podcast called Agile Coaching Mastery, which goes out each week. So be prepared if you come up to talk for having that on, uh, you know, around. And, you know, that's probably just, we just need to be clear that's going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
On, on that note, I have a question, Ricardo. Yeah. Uh, what would be your uh, strategy or your approach uh, helping the middle layer and uh, people on the upstairs realize the cost of not changing or uh, just being passive about it and just being so excited and not participating in this uh, scaling up and becoming more nimble and agile? No. I'm lucky that I think they already understood that, mm. but I'm going to have to reiterate it. But um, they are in a very competitive environment. Uh, they know that the other, for example, the other startup, it, it's funny because the two biggest companies in this market are here in Latvia, maybe because there is a lot of forest, etc. I cannot say much more than that. And uh, the other company, the best agile coach that I had in my own company got hired by them as a head of operations. So they know that agility is something that other companies are pursuing. So I think they know that if they don't stay agile or become even more agile, that someone else will eat, will eat their lunch. So what you brought up there, Ricardo, really interesting is the why question. And you seem to be saying you think they've got the why. But I guess I, I would want to say remind them of that at least monthly because people mm. get... They forget. They just just forget. It's a bit like taking your kids on a journey where you know they're all the time they're asking, "Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet?" And you can forget what you're doing. So, I guess reminding them of the why is something I'd inject every month somewhere. Yeah, and uh, we're definitely going to do some elements of agenda shift in the second phase of really trying to understand. Do something like the you, you guys know the celebration five W. Yes, yes. Let's yeah. let's recap that just for a second for anyone in the audience who doesn't. Agenda Shift is an organisation that is the brainchild of Mike Burroughs, guy who lives very near me in the UK. Um, it's a, a sort of it's a um, how can I describe it? And Raz and I were on the course uh, on this, so maybe Raz, you could do it as well. It's an it's a it's an attempt to reset the agenda for outcome based understandings of what we do. And one of the exercises that might recommend you start with is a celebration five W's, which is essentially sit down with the leaders and go, imagine we could go into a time uh, machine and go to say two years hence, and we're going to have a big celebration party. What would we be, do- what would we be celebrating? What would we have got right? That really matters. That kind of thing. Mind you, uh, Raz, you've been on some of these with me. So what do you yeah. think? Uh, I think it's very powerful, and uh, I'm quoting and quoting Andrew on uh, Mark Burroughs is a genius in organizational change, believe me, and he's so uh, bright in what he's doing, and one of the coolest uh, techniques that he introduced was the 5Y, just 5W, not 5Y, the 5W. The, the other one is when we are, everything is going well, and we are in a very hypothetical uh, good space, and all the stars are aligned who we are celebrating with, why, why we are, what we are celebrating for, where we are celebrating, and what's, uh, what, what story is changed and why we are doing all of these together. Yeah. I think that's very powerful. So if, you, uh, do. if you're interested in a gender shift, you just do a gender shift on a Google search, you'll find it. Um, there's a lot of stuff that is publicly available from Mike's work. He's got a couple of books, Left to Right. Yeah. I'm going to get that wrong. It's Right to Left Management, isn't it? I've said it the wrong way around. And his latest book, A Gender Shift. Uh, version two is just out as well and uh, there is an interview that we did here in the agile club and that aina that is in the audience was kind enough to transcribe 
that you can Google for. So, Do you remember when Aina told me to stop talking to him about local things? Remember, because Mike <laughs> and I live near each other, so we were chatting about things to do with the area we live in. We're only about three miles apart, and Aina said, "If I could move the conversation on from local things, please." Brilliantly done, yes, Aina. Yes, I remember. <laughs> yeah. So that interview is really cool. And I can tell you why do I want to do the 5W, not in this phase. This phase is a bit of a discovery. Yeah, why? Why wait? I want to start the second phase with the 5W to make sure that at least with three levels of the organization, so top, top management, middle management, and maybe even some of the troops, uh, that we align around an objective and that uh, we create a, a roadmap that, is, that everyone feels that they are a part of. And that, I think, is the power of the five Ws. Okay. You start, as you said, with a celebration, and then you do the photo 15 around the obstacles uh, that you have to navigate to get there. And I think it's a really powerful uh, workshop and continuation of workshop uh, to make sure that everyone is aligned. Because we won't be able to change everything at once. We'll have to take a road. And if we have everyone in the same road, uh, it will be a lot easier than if everyone is going in different directions. Okay, um, so we we are uh, near our limit. We promised ourselves we'd keep down. I think we should just carry on next week with the same topic unless people think otherwise. But just wonder if there's any sort of summary thoughts that we think we've learned from this, and particularly if anyone in the audience wants to come and join us on stage and say something, that would be very helpful. We are, my view is we're at 20 minutes, and we, we sort of promised ourselves we'd stick to 2025, didn't we, I remember? Yep. So in my sort of facilitation mode, I'm just sort of reminding us that we're there. So uh, if you're in the audience want to join us on stage and give us any comments, it'd be lovely to have you up. All you have to do is put your hand up. I realise it's sort of 8 a.m. Uh, America time, um, lunchtime here in England and quite late in Australia. So, uh, But we record this podcast deliberately so other people can you know, join us in the interactions. Um, and we use Anchor for this, by the way, which means if you – Anchor FM, if you watch the – if you listen to the podcast on Anchor FM and you want to ask a question, you can ask the question in the app and we get it uh, to, to hear. And I would literally go, this week, so-and-so from Scandinavia has popped the following question to us. Let's play it. And, you know, we'll all hear it. So just to let you know about that as well. Um, fantastic. I didn't know about it. Yeah. yeah. Start having Gamker open too. Yeah. So, Rahul, before we get anyone from the audience, what's your closing thoughts? Uh, I would really keen to ask your uh, approach as an agile coach and how much uh, consulting hat you bring to this because some of this is helping a startup who is really uh, good at generating revenue and money into getting mature and uh, moving to a stage that they need to think about acquiring more people, bringing more people in and defining more work, creating some sort of structure that supports the sustainability of the organization in the market. So some of it is not coaching then. Some of it is just providing advices, providing recommendations. So I would like to uh, probably just explore that. But that's a different topic, I reckon. Yeah. But I'm putting my consulting head a lot here. They're yeah. not hiring an agile coach. If I tell them you need an agile coach, that's not what they need. They need someone who can help them achieve agility outcomes. And of course, there will be mentoring, there will be coaching, but probably even more mentoring and coaching of these middle managers so that they can affect change rather than work as a traditional agile coach. So it will be... I still think you're talking through some... Coaches. Sorry, Ricardo, I mean, interrupt you. I still think you're talking about some of the things coaches have to do. I mean, you know, there's... A... 
certainly the enterprise level, the sort of background for how enterprise coaching came is definitely from that sort of consultancy model, um, yeah. you know, of how we do it. So, Yeah. Great. And can't wait to hear your success story working with these people. And I'm sure they are very lucky having you on board. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll, I'll give a quick update every month. A little status report for the for the podcast. Yeah, we're just programming each month to go back to how Ricardo is getting on. Ricardo's story with the Forestry Commission of Latvia or something like that. Who knows what it really is? He won't tell us. So. No, that I cannot do. Uh, it is not in forestry, but it is related because Latvia has so much forest. Okay, that well. I can, that I can say. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. I like puzzles. I'm going to be guessing yeah, for weeks. I will. I will. <laughs> All right. I think it's a bit too early to say which client it is. Okay. Um, let's do room then. Andrew, anything you want to comment on or add as we finish? Um, you did actually quote, uh, Raz has quoted you as saying, Mike Burroughs is one of the brainiest people you've ever met, except an absolute genius. So, you know, you do think that one now, so. Yeah, no, Mike's, Mike's brilliant. Um, I, look, I've kind of been through that process uh, building my own business um, and I've, I've noticed the scale points. Um, somewhere between 80 and 105 is a real scaling point. And I, don't, I don't know if that's, um, I don't know if that's an anthropological thing or whether it's just the, the way that you have to run the company changes. Uh, something that I found quite useful going through that process was the Griner growth model, mm. um, which has some really interesting stuff about the different stages of organizations, what they go through, uh, what's useful, but also what you've got to look out for. Uh, I found that really handy. Could you just give us a bit more on the grinder growth, did you say? Uh, the Griner G- growth model. G-I-R-G-R-I-N. I think it's G-I-R-I-N. So yeah, he talks about it's G R E I N E R, I think it is, mm-hmm. and he talks about the stages that companies go through, and the risks that they, or, or the things you got to really watch out for at each stage. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, Andrew. On that note, also Jorgen Apollo has uh, a very good work yes. uh, shift up of ten stages of organisation. So that that also might be useful. Yes, I've heard of that one. I hadn't heard of the Griner one, but occasionally it's just how it's pronounced, and I'm used to some kind of other way of pronouncing it. That happened to me last week with Shine's model. Um, and it, uh, an Indian friend was saying Shine, and I was just not registering Shine Sheen, as I would say. So anyway, enough of that. Um, oh, Ian, it's, it's not an agile thing. It's a um, it's, it's like a old business business consultancy. Yeah. Well, the Griner model, Griner growth. Okay, uh, I think we're at our limit for this week then, time-wise. We did sort of promise ourselves we keep it to these from now on when we're doing the internal ones. Expert interviews could be a bit different, obviously, because, you know, you've got an expert, you want to hear them, don't you? So if that's all right, then we'll say uh, we'll say we're off for the day. Is that all right? And thank you, everyone, for all the inspiration. I've already Googled two things and going to be reading the rest of the day. <laughs> Excellent. Right. Cheers, guys. Thank you very much. Cheers. Cheers, everyone. Okay. That's it for this week. You've been listening to the Agile Coaching Mastery Podcast, brought to you by the Agile Coaching Mastery crew. If you want to join the live recording or give us feedback, reach out to us on agileclub.club and look for the Agile Coaching Mastery conversation. Or find us on Clubhouse, look for Agile Club. Join us next week for more fun and rethinking.